podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Liverpool's fan base is worldwide. Yet whilst the overall fan base is diverse, often the match-going crowd isn't. When I look around Liverpool home or away games, I see a lot of people who look like me. So what is it like going to the match if you do look different? Is it welcoming? Intimidating? Can it be both? This year, a Liverpool fan was banned for life for racially abusing an Asian family at a Legends game at Anfield. Luckily, it didn't put that family off. They've been back to Anfield since, but it might have put off others. I'm John Gibbons for the Anfield Wrap, and I spoke to three non-white Liverpool supporters about their experiences of following Liverpool home and away. I'd like to thank them all for their honesty and openness. So my first guest is Mo Stewart's from Anfield Rap fame. So Mo, uh, welcome and thank you. Hello. It feels strange welcoming you, but I suppose welcoming you to the to the show. Obviously, we're here to talk about race, and so if you don't mind, first of all, if you can mm-hmm. just um, let everyone know about your ethnicity and I guess mm-hmm. how would you how you'd class yourself. Um, well, I am, as you would say on a form, Black British. Um, depending on which way you put them, it, I'm not sure it really matters. But uh, both my parents are also the same. We're both also born in England. Both of their parents came from Jamaica. It's a weird story, actually. Both my grandparents lived uh, about four or five miles apart in Jamaica. Oh, wow. But they didn't, they'd never met until they both individually came to England and then their children started dating, which is it's kind of a weird story. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we are all black. Uh, I now have a stepdad who's white. I have mixed race steps, uh, half-sisters, sorry. And so our family is expanding at all times. So would your grandparents be classed as the Windrush generation that yeah. is discussed at the moment? So they came over with the promise of work and, and jobs and, and and a wonderful British life. Yeah, yeah. They. I mean, it's really strange. I remember one time I got my grandma to just ask her about it. And she was telling me the idea that they were on a train and the train basically came from the edge of Europe, from North Africa, and just basically went all the way across Europe. And there were people stopping off on the train because my um, granddad came over in the Windrush and then he sent for her a couple of years later. So she ended up getting this train. And there was just like, your name's on the list. Okay, this is your stop. You stop at Turin or whatever. And it was just like, it was just like a bus. It was like, yeah. if you every time they got to any stop, your name's on the list. This is where you live now. Crazy. And you just had to hope that, that they'd got the, the, the name right. I mean, if they'd have dropped her off somewhere other than London, and my granddad was in London, they he would have never known. He would have had no way of finding out. Yeah. So it's really strange to think of it that way. And they obviously came and made a life. Uh, my granddad, my paternal granddad has moved back in I'd say 2002 uh, my maternal grandparents they moved back in 95 I think for both of them it was kind of like you get into the end of your years you want to be somewhere that's a little bit more familiar a little bit more comfortable and also they'd already done their job they'd settled there they started a family they'd allowed that family to grow so they were happy to kind of go back and kick back a little bit I think so you're also a migrant to Liverpool. Uh, yes. It should be said, people, you know, may, may know that, may may not. I'm sure they can pick it up from, from accents and stuff <laughs> like that. So, so what's so what's your story in terms of growing up and, and how did you end up in Liverpool? Well, Liverpool for me, growing up meant football. I mean, the two were inexplicably linked from a very early age. How I ended up here was partly because of that, but also uh, my best friend went to university here. I chose Stoke. He chose Liverpool. 
like instantly regretted it. <laughs> uh, and every time I came to visit him here, I had a ball. I loved the place. And obviously the club I supported was here. So when it came to finishing uni, I knew I didn't want to stay in Stoke. I knew I really didn't want to go back to Kent for any long period of time. So I started plans to live with my friend here in Liverpool. He moved to London six months later, which is a bit of a blow. But <laughs> by that point, I was already hooked. And here you are. Um, I want to talk about Liverpool as a city before I talk about the kind of the, the, the football aspect of first, because something I'm, I'm sort of more conscious of the more I travel is that Liverpool is, is a pretty white city. Mm -hmm. It's uh, I had a look at the last census, which is 2011, so it's not perfect, but it's 89% uh, people have identified them as white. Um, actually, 90% of people who live in Liverpool were born in the UK, so it's not... It's not somewhere that's had a lot of the newer wave of, of, no. of immigration, if you like. Was that something you were conscious of when you moved here? Was that something you kind of, you, you noticed? Or was it kind of similar to what you'd been used to? It was similar to what I've been used to in Stoke in particular, yeah. in Kent as well. I mean, growing up at school, there was, I, I was thinking I was one of three out of 120 black kids in my school or in my in our school year. So I was always used to that. I noticed that there were more here. I noticed that there were pockets here. And there were places where you could go and those kind of people felt comfortable within those places. And that was unique to Liverpool as opposed to where I'd been before. But yeah, I mean, obviously I'm used to London. I mean, I didn't live in London after the age of three years old, but all of my family were there. We were an hour car ride away. So I spent a lot of time there. And you're used to seeing black faces all around. But that didn't necessarily make me feel more comfortable just seeing them at that stage because I still was aware of the danger of everywhere at that stage of my life. As you become an adult and you become more able to kind of assess places and that's actually assess danger properly, you're right, there is a lot more white faces here than, than anything else. But I haven't felt that insistent threat here in the same way as I felt it in other places. I feel like the nature of the people who are from here, you, you generally tend to give people a crack. Right. Like, like you'll give someone the chance to prove if they're a dickhead or not, rather than assuming. Yeah. And that little bit of extra space is really important, I think. Okay, so, so sort of onto the football then. I presume when you first moved here, one of the first things you wanted to do was to go to the match and, and get a ticket. I remember having a moment when I was um, sort of, I think I was a, I was a teenager by then, and I'd, I'd, maybe it was around the time I went to secondary school because my primary school was very, very white, and, mm -hmm. then, and then my secondary school was was kind of a bit more mixed. It was, you know, it was pooling people from a bigger area, and so it was kind of different kind of backgrounds in lots of different senses, but also ethnicity. I just remember one time being at the match and looking to my left and looking at my right and thinking, it's a bit weird that everyone's white and male, and I wonder whether you had that moment where you kind of went to the game and did it for the first time or whether there was a bit of a click where you're like, I look different to everyone else and that's a bit strange. I mean, I, I didn't really have the benefit of it coming to me at any point because it was ingrained. I mean, my relationship with football and my relationship with racism started at exactly the same point. Really? Yeah, 100%. Because I was aware of why I wasn't doing the things that all uh, other people I know were doing. I mean, to explain fully, let's talk about my dad. Basically, all of my early memories of my dad are around football, whether it's the two of us watching football on TV, playing football in the back garden, me watching him when he plays semi-pro, him watching me when I played under-11s. Football and my dad were together. I've never been to a professional football match with my dad, ever, in my life. 
And the reason for that is because he stopped going because, in his words, it wasn't for people like us. Right. And that's because of the absolute horrors that you'd see of uh, around the ground, in the ground, in the 70s and 80s. And obviously, here in Liverpool, it's almost like the arrival of John Barnes is seen as a watershed moment yeah. where people kind of started to realise the error of previous ways. So there was almost that connection with Liverpool for me from an early age. But in terms of going into the grounds and seeing those faces, I was aware every single non-white face, I saw them all. And I made a point to make sure I smiled at them all because I know what it feels like. It's like, if you're coming into that situation, you don't really fully trust everybody is going to be okay. And I've been to matches before where the atmosphere can change and be toxic really quickly. And if you're not used to that, the, the, the dynamics of football, it can be extremely scary, especially if your main experience of a large group of angry white faces is danger. Mm. So I'd kind of already processed all of that by the time I'd made it to Anfield. But by the same token, the fact that we do have John Barnes in our history and he is so celebrated, it's almost like it's an automatic thing to be able to say, look, okay, chances are they're going to be okay with us because they have this absolute hero here mm. in the club. That definitely crossed my mind. So, I mean, you had this kind of experience from your father and you had these kind of words ringing in your ears. And was it just a case of you just deciding, I'm aware of this, I'm obviously, you know, my dad's, you know, he's not making things up, but I'm, no. I, I want to go to the football, so I'm just going to go and, and I'm going to be brave, or if that is the word, or also, you know, a bit stubborn, if you like, and just say, you're not going to take this yeah. away from me. There's, there's definitely, the, the stubborn element definitely came into it. <laughs> uh, there's also the idea of me kind of trying to prove to myself, as much as to him, that things were changing, that it was different. I mean, I already was at the stage where I had more white friends than he did, but that's because of school. So I was already thinking, well, okay, he, my experience is already different to him in this area, then maybe it's going to be different in other areas. The first time I ever went to a professional football match uh, was Charlton against Notts County. When I was 13, I went with, with my best mate, who I mentioned before, who is a Charlton fan. And the only reason we were allowed to go is because one of the police who was on crowd control actually went to the same gym as my dad and he knew him. Right. And he was basically charged with keeping an eye on us. And... That's the only reason we were allowed to go. And then from that first time that went without incident, we went to a second time. So I basically spent three to four years going to Charlton matches, but supporting Liverpool. I mean, I obviously cheered for Charlton when I was at the game, but I was a Liverpool fan. So the time that I finally got to come here and do it, it was almost like, right, okay, this is the beginning of it. I've already, know, I know the experience of, like I was saying before, the dynamics of football mm. and crowds. Now this is my, this is my people. This is now time for me to kind of start my own story. So I'm interested in your story then, because when we think of racism, often I say, wait, when, when I think of racism, mm. I sometimes kind of, you think of the, the overt stuff, you think of the, the, the stuff that, that's obvious, you think of the, the you know, aggression, you think mm -hmm. of name calling, whereas I would imagine that, that often it's, it's kind of a lot more subtle than that, but also there. And I'm just wondering whether on your journey as a Liverpool fan, do you feel that sometimes you have to prove yourself a little bit more? Do you feel like you're quizzed on your knowledge? Do you feel like there's a little <laughs> bit of a, oh, well, you know, do you get certain questions mm. that I wouldn't get as a, as a scouser, but also as a white man? Um, 
I think I notice it more here with the scouseness than the actual race. But outside of this sphere, yeah, you do get the sense that people need to know, that people feel like they need to hear you talk a little bit in order to prove, to um, feel comfortable in themselves that you're one of us, you understand football the way we do it. And in Liverpool, I understand that very much, because partly because there's so much protection of the uh, the scouseness and the ideaness and the attacks from outside that anyone who wants to represent them, they need to understand what that means. And I get that. And I'm more than happy to jump through any hoops that anyone wants on that score. <laughs> as, as, far, as far as actually people believing in what I say, I, I'm lucky on two counts. One, my voice tend, generally tends to carry a bit of authority to it. And two, I'm a big guy. Like, in the day-to-day match-going thing, I don't generally have to think about abuse. Uh, I don't have to worry about someone shouting something at me. And I know that a large part of that is because of how I look. I don't look like a target. I mean, people, you, you'd have to be really, really racist or really, really stupid <laughs> to kind of, kind of start something with me. But I know that I'm lucky. I know that there are so many people out there who don't have that advantage, and I know because I remember what I felt like when I didn't have that advantage, when I was that scrawny 13-year-old kid. And I think about all the people who kind of, all the different stories you'll see at a ground. I think of people who were like me, who'd spent years trying to persuade their parents to come to the match, and they were shit scared that something was going to go wrong, and then they weren't going to get to go anymore. Or, or I think about people who, you, you watch Match of the Day every week, and you see thousands of people in the ground who are all cheering and singing, for a guy who looks like you, yeah. uh, whereas in most Salah Sadio Mane, and you want to experience that in the flesh. You want to go there. You want to be able to say, look, this is what that feels like. Someone feels that way about one of us. Or even parents, like a good friend of mine now, who's just started to introduce his, his son to the game. And he's thinking about the idea of taking him to Anfield. And what would he say to him should an incident happen? So... Although I'm not thinking about myself, I'm aware of all of those other things all the time. There's also an access question here, Moa, thinking that the stadium's not big enough to, to fit every every fan in there who'd like to go to the game. And so we talk about a, a growingly diverse fan base, but they can't necessarily get tickets to the match. And I do kind of wonder whether, you know, the football club are in a difficult posi- position with the, with the stadium size that they have in that they want to reward loyalty and you understand mm-hmm. why that's the case because people who are going for years, you know, would argue that they built up the credits and they, they, they want to be going now where you want to be champions. But at the, at the same time, it, it does turn into a bit of a closed shop, doesn't it? And I wonder whether if we had a bigger stadium, whether there'd be, there was greater access for tickets, you would, you would sort of naturally see kind mm-hmm. of a, a more diverse fan base in the ground. I think that's true. I think it's hard to put anything in place that specifically looks to reward one particular faction of society over another outside of the local stuff that they did, which I still think is a good idea. And ironically, that might in itself be the quickest way to get a change in face in the grounds. Obviously, they have their allocation for certain local tickets within Anfield, but obviously you look at the makeup of people who live in Anfield and it's not as diverse as some other areas of Liverpool. Yeah. So if that was to expand to other areas of Liverpool, that's a potential. But you're right, you want to be careful about who gets tickets and what parameters they're put in place because essentially, like you say, there are people who have families and generations who've watched Liverpool time and time again. But you want it to be able to look like people can come in. 
And at the moment, you've got the whole, uh, the only new people coming into the ground, you say, are tourists. And they're going through buying the packages, the Thomas Cook packages and all that kind of stuff. And occasionally, you do get more diverse people within that section. But the worry is, is you don't want to get into a situation where any new people that come in, you just assume that they're tourists. Because <laughs> they might not be tourists. They might be someone who's been saving up for 20 years the opportunity to be able to buy a fancy package and they've finally been able to do it. But I think you're right in as much as the easiest and the swiftest way to solve any problems like that is to make the stadium bigger. That's definitely going to be the first step forward. And eventually, if we do stick to these kind of local um, initiatives where we're trying to get more young people in, trying to get more people from the city, over the course of time, that in itself is going to reflect the changes that we have seen in the city. Every generation going forward, there's going to be more and more people of ethnic backgrounds who are thinking, football is for me, I want to play, I want to go, I want to be sitting on the cop, just like everyone else does. And once we're looking after the people in our local area, whoever they are, that will start to grow and they will become included, I think. Yeah. And I guess it's it's not just, you know, I'm talking about in the ground really, but mm. it's but, but the match going experience is kind of a lot more than that. And I know this year you went on your first European away and you yeah. went to Bayern and the kind of thoughts come in your head there as well, where you think, well, you know, no one would be stupid to do enough, save someone in the ground maybe, but you know, if I'm getting there the day before and, and, and full of pubs and, and you're walking into a pub full of, full of white guys who were, who were drinking and stuff like that. Does the stuff kind of come into your head then? Yeah. I mean, again, it's something that I've had to deal with my whole life because of the way I've grown up and obviously having those incidents before. It's that it never really leaves you. I'm more confident in being able to handle myself in those situations. Mm. But the threat of them, the idea that that can happen, it's always there. And as much as, like I said before, I feel like, Scousers do have a little bit more empathy than a lot of other people within the country. I don't know them all. And not only that, I have to remember the fact that I'd only been living here less than a year when some guy put an axe through Anthony Walker's head. So you can't really forget all of that at any point. It's always in the back of your mind. It's not something that's prevalent. It's not, it's not stopping me do things. But you need to be aware of it. And I think that's the, probably the same for every non-white Liverpool fan is that you're always you're always aware of it, whether or not you have to act on it or not. There's always like a, a potential plan going on in the back of your mind, a, a many escape route, so to speak. I wondered if it was something that you thought of when you got involved in the Anfield Rap because uh, you obviously approached us, we knew each other a little bit from, from music and stuff like that and you got in touch with us to, to do it and obviously you had the determination to to do that because you, it was something you wanted to get involved mm -hmm. in and I know in industry you're keen to do more and was a little bit of you aware that you're putting yourself out there. Um, I know we've asked you to do more video, YouTube's a, a, a horrible place for, for comments. I mean, I don't get involved no. in it, you know what I mean? And so... Is that something you were conscious of? I mean, it obviously didn't put you off, no. but was it something that you thought about that you're like, you know, because the Anfield rap is very white, let's be honest. Yeah. And so, you know, you were one of the, the, the first people of colour, if that's, if that's the right term, to kind of kind of get involved and stuff. And, and that's great. And and we were pleased for, for kind of a lot of reasons, not at least just to get you. But, um, but you know, you must be thinking, well, I'm going to look different on videos mm. to people. I'm going to, you're opening you up yourself, aren't you, to, to often anonymous people who can have a go. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. And, it's something that I try my hardest not to be conscious of because obviously the moment you're thinking about it during, that's when they start to win. I feel like it's one of those things where, again, I'm never going to be able to 
to control those people from having those thoughts and those things. But I am aware of the fact that when I'm talking about football and I'm talking about football uh, amongst different people, people see me differently. And to be able to bring that to you guys was one thing, but I'm actually really glad that at no point did I think that that was the reason yeah. that you guys brought me in. It was more of the fact that you liked what I said and that's why I kept coming back. And that's the thing. It's more of an organic friendship or a, a partnership being built as opposed to box ticking, which you do see in a lot of larger industries and people can be very kind of standoffish from that. In terms of putting myself out there, put myself up to shot at, be shot at, it is a nature of this business in general. It's something, again, that I've probably got used to over the course of university and just life in general. It's just, just, just how I am. But I'm also aware of the fact that, touch wood, I've not had it bad yet. I mean, there are times where potentially, hypothetically, I plan to become more and more known for doing stuff like this yeah. and be seen by more and more people and that increases the chances of some idiot saying something. There have been a couple of times in YouTube where someone said something that which is on the cusp yeah, and it's almost like people aren't sure whether that's okay or not. I think of, um, I did a talk in Reds where I basically said that we need to leave Sterling alone and uh, that, that did not go well. <laughs> That did not go down well. And that was also one of the only time people brought up where I was from. Right. And that was very noticeable as yeah. well. But that's part of a wider thing and a wider issue with racism beyond football in society in as much as we have a lot of people who don't have experience of it, who rather than sitting and listening and actually listening to the people who do have that experience, they're happy to dismiss it. Yeah. And... That's not the way that progress lies. Well, so I want to talk a little bit about progress. I mean, obviously, we're not going to sort of solve anything today, Mo. And I, just, I don't want this to be more about kind of opening people's eyes, really, rather than kind of looking for solutions. But people might be look, listening to this and thinking, well, you know, a bit, a bit sad about things you said about about kind of the idea is that football is the nation's game, and that's what mm -hmm. we call it. And it's, and if you are calling yourself the nation's game, then you should be welcome to to everyone, no matter kind of you know gender or age or, or race or anything really. So, in terms of, is the more that you think the Anfield rap can do, is the more that you think that ordinary fans can do to just kind of be a little bit more welcoming? Because obviously you can't you know just go up and hug a random black no, man. No, you'll look mad. You will look mad. <laughs> you may not necessarily be treated with love either. <laughs> <laughs> not everyone's as joyous as I am. Um, it's, it's strange because, I, 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 like I say, I've thought about this a million times. One bit of advice I would really give, there's, well, there's two bits of advice, but the first one is, I said, just mentioned it, is to listen. I mean, really listen. I mean, not like pausing in silence to wait for your point to speak listening. I mean, actually absorbing every single word said to you. When someone of colour tells you about their experiences and... Don't just think about what they're saying. Think about why they're saying it. Think about how they're saying it. The fact is, is that we're telling you this so you can help understand so that we don't get into these situations again. Now, whether that makes you feel uncomfortable or not, that's not really the problem. <laughs> that's not yeah. really what we're in it for. So you can say that you are sympathetic to something, but 
if something seems harmless to you, you don't understand why they're upset, then you need to understand why they're upset. I mean, I take an example. Um, the song's about players' cocks. Yeah. Like Lukaku, Rondon, I imagine there's countless others. Yeah. Obviously, to a lot of people, they can't see any harm in it. I mean, yeah. surely that's a good thing, right? <laughs> but what it comes down to is that the people who don't see the harm in it, you've never really been treated as an animal. You've never been reduced to your body parts, like like as if you're someone's cutting up a cow. Yeah. And the whole idea of the big beasts and how we, that we can spin that into a positive, that all starts back in slavery, by the way. Yeah. Because if you think about it, the larger ones of the slaves who could bear more of the burden and who were therefore more valuable, they were given favour. So you say, oh, well, yeah, he's still a dirty what have you, but at least he's he's big, he's a big beast, he can do a job. And that idea of, take, like I say, taking the body parts away from the person, dehumanising people, that all feeds into that joke. And you as a person, you're not going to be aware of that. No one's going to be aware of that until someone says it to them. But when someone says it to them, listen to them. That's it. That's really important. Lukaku came out and said, please stop singing the songs. They continued singing the songs because in their mind, it was, there was nothing wrong with it. I don't understand why. And when it comes to Liverpool in particular, this is an whole idea. The idea of empathy and understanding people from other perspective is something that we here as Liverpool people and Scousers should be really good at. Because you guys know about the dangers of stereotypes mm. and how long they can last and how long, how, how hard they are to shake off and all of those things. And when we get into these kind of situations, it really does make me think that there are so many similarities between the suffering of racism and the suffering the Scousers have been through. Like I said, there's the whole idea of the stereotypes there's a whole idea of us being offended and that becoming weaponized so suddenly we're offended by everything and all of our concerns mean nothing there's the idea that these ideas becoming ingrained in policies which ends up prohibiting us from having a fair opportunity to thrive these are all ideas that uh, that we have that you guys know about and you guys feel obviously the difference is, is that no one can tell you're a scouser from 50 yards away yeah I mean, you could leave the country and no one would care you're a Scouser. Yeah. You can go to a football match and you can feel proud to be a Scouser and have that pride reinforced by thousands around. That's what I want for us. The second part of this, apart from listening, the really important part is action. That is basically, if you hear someone doing something, don't let them get away with it. Yeah. I mean, this city, another one of the things I love about this city is they're never shy of telling people who have got stupid ideas or ideas that they're against to, to do one, basically. We've seen it every time anyone tries to bring racism or fascism to the, to the city. There's always a group of anti-fascists mobilised to go and push them away and say, no, we won't do that here. That needs to extend around the grounds, in the pubs, in the stands. If, you, if someone was walking along the road shouting racism and you would stop them, then that should be exactly the same there. Whether or not you're a minority in the crowd or not, you need to be able to make the other minorities who are scared in that crowd feel safer that, you know what, this guy's in the minority and we're going to help you by making sure this guy doesn't get away with what he's doing or girl. But that action, that is as important because because we hear a lot about words. Words are powerful. Words can help. And these are words from allies as well as words 
uh, in the negative sense. But listening and actually taking action, I think those two things are probably more important. Mel, huge thanks for, for joining me no and for being so open. And I think the idea of listening is is key in all of this, definitely. And that if you know if someone's got something to say and they're brave enough to kind of you know speak out, then then do listen to people. But yeah, thanks a lot. So that was Mel, and it was great to get his experiences from him firsthand on what it is like to to go to a football match and look and sound different and and kind of be very conscious of that at, almost at all times. Really, I was keen to speak to someone who was from Liverpool and who had that Scouse accent just to see if that kind of a, affected things really. So, yeah, so an old friend Matt Lim agreed to come on the phone. He's from Liverpool. He lives down in London now. He's of a Chinese descent. And so he very kindly gave up some time to chat through his experiences too. Like Chinese myself, born in, born in Liverpool uh, to a uh, Malaysian father and Hong Kong Chinese mother. But, you know, I've always been raised as a scouser, basically, support the Reds from a very young age. Always seen myself as as a, as a Liverpoolian, really, more than someone that's Chinese, you know. Yeah. But you know, it's just something that I'm obviously mindful of. I'm I'm quite proud of of my heritage, and then with my parents owning a cha- you know a big Chinese restaurant that many people might know. <laughs> then yeah, so I've just I, it, it's more and more so in my kind of teenage years and as we're going to uni and, and now I'm, as an adult and um, just getting in getting into the the whole kind of match going experience it's just grown from there going to away games you know and going to europe going to finals it's just all gone from there really so when did you first go to a game and who did, who did you go with so I'm a bit embarrassed to say this, but it was actually my granddad um, who doesn't speak a word of English and he, uh, he took me when I was about I must have been about 10 years old. He took me to Goodison. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he took me to see them. And then uh, that, was the, uh, that was the first and last time that I wanted to go there. Um, I can't remember the game exactly, but that was the first, first football match that I went to. That was with my granddad. And then I think I must have been early teens, probably 14, 15. I did go to Anfield for the first time and then uh, got the book from there. And then just from contacts through my dad, getting more and more tickets. And then... Yeah, just just it just grew from there, really. And there'll be there'll be people kind of listening to this throughout the world who maybe don't know the Liverpool as a city that well. I've sort of explained in, in, in earlier parts that it is yeah. um, a predominantly white city. That the, the percentage of, of, yeah. of kind of people who identify themselves as white is higher than other parts of the yeah. country. But that said, there's a very old Chinese community in Liverpool. It's very kind of well established. And so it's not un- it's yeah. not unusual to see Chinese faces around Liverpool, and it's very kind of I would say integrated within the community. But that said, it's not yeah. necessarily a community that that you know you you would associate with with kind of going to the match. Would you say that's fair? I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's got what the the oldest um, Chinese Chinatown in, in in the country, and I think just as kind of uh, my, my generation especially getting more into football you know and in school I mean I was probably one of only one or two you know two or three Chinese kids that were in my year probably only about 10 20 Chinese kids that were in the whole school but yeah I think football definitely in terms for, for, for the Chinese is is just it's, it's blown up really you can see that from you know, or you know how, how that's growing in, in in mainland China, and then the interest that's there. So I think it has become more 
more prominent in terms of football and being part of, you know, our pastimes, things that we like to do, things that we talk about, you know, you only have to, you have to see when you go to dim sum on a Sunday in, in <laughs> Liverpool, or everyone's got the, got the t you know, got the Liverpool shirts on, got their kits on. Um, and then with tourism as well, isn't it? You know, you yeah. get so many kind of um, Asian tourists, Chinese tourists as well. So yeah, it's, um, it's it's definitely, and you can see from going to like Hong Kong, and because that's that's where I um, that's where like my grandparents are from as well. They love football in Hong Kong. You know, they my uncles played football there, and so and you've seen from our tours there as well how how big a thing it is. And so I'm interested in kind of you know your experiences of, of kind of going to the match really, and obviously that your when when you did live in Liverpool, you were. Uh, yeah. sort of a minority you were used to kind of be in a minority uh, a race and, and there's kind of I'm sure there's yeah. issues that issues that come with that you know within within kind of day-to-day life but did you feel that more yeah. going to the football do you feel that kind of more when you're at Anfield or when you're traveling with Liverpool or, or is it just kind of similar similar kind of feelings to, to kind of growing up in the city I think when I was younger growing up I probably didn't notice as much to be honest you know what with having like the majority of my friends, like in school with white friends and, you know, going to going to the, the match with my mates as well back then, that it was it was never a thing. But thinking as soon as soon as I started going more in my older years when, when I was going to uni as well, then I did notice things. I'd get the odd ticket here and there. So I wouldn't always be sat in the same seat. So I'd see I'd, I'd be with like different, obviously different people around me. And you used to get looked at differently. That's that's just something you that, that's always going to be the case. Sometimes. But especially in that kind of environment and then you've got you're obviously your tourists with their cameras and things like that and there's been times where I've been at away games and then I've heard I've heard behind my back like another day tripper you know what I mean oh he's not singing or you know he doesn't know the words to this stuff like that and you, you just kind of ignore it you know and then if anything um it just it just made me more kind of want to be involved you know getting to know all the songs being able to join in and I think my experiences of going on away days as well, I think because it is, you know, you're so lucky to be able to go to those games. So I think sometimes, you know, when you when you see people that are really struggle to get to get tickets and whatever, and then they see someone like me who might not look the same, look as you know the same as them. And so yeah, yeah, that, that's something that you definitely notice a lot uh, a lot more. But I think the more that like I've been involved in terms of going to. Europe and just just you know being a part of wanting to be a part of something being part of this amazing experience you know I, I think I've noticed it less and less but you know there's been the odd incident which I'm sure we can go on to talk about well we can talk about it now if you want in terms of I'm sure people are kind of interested to know you know so what the things that have happened to you yeah yeah so it was a couple of years ago now that we were at um, Stamford Bridge and I think it was just towards the end of um, when Raheem Sterling, just before he left, and he was getting a lot of quite bad, you know, abuse from, from certain, certain parts of the fan base, you know, and it was, it was at a game, I can't remember what the score was exactly, but there were, these, are, these old fellas in front of me basically giving Raheem Sterling all kinds, of, all kinds of crap, you know, absolute rubbish, and I just couldn't hold back. I just basically, you know, because um, they were saying, oh, you know, get Jordan Ivan, or, you know, saying this about him, saying one thing or the other, I'm not going to repeat about Raheem, you know, about Raheem, I was like, I brought him up on it, and then got into a, quite a heated argument with these 
older men, like probably in their forties, fifties, and then all of a sudden, one of them grabs me by the neck, and I'm like struck by shock. Like mates around me, obviously got involved, and then it all kind of died down. And then I heard one of them obviously call me, um, I, I, and you know, my, my friend did this well, uh, this as well, called me a chink, and I was just like, okay, it's like, you know, brought them up on it, and then but his mate goes, now you don't be, uh, or he's like, don't be playing the racism cards. And it was, <laughs> and it was at that point where I'm just like, there's not even any point there, you know, yeah. arguing. When someone's as bigoted, as small-minded, as, as using that as a, something to try and rile you up, it's just like, you just got to ignore it. You just got to, you know, there was no way that that was going to end well. And I had stewards, like, must have been two, three, four rows just behind me to see what was going on. Someone behind me had told them what was going on, but you know, nothing happened at the time. And I just, at that, at that one moment in time, I was, I was shocked and I was just like, you know, why, what am I doing here? You know what I mean? We're all supposed to be as one. And I don't know whether that was because what, what was going on in terms of the team at that time, everyone was on edge anyway, you know, with things. But that, yeah, that was a, that was, that was one incident where I was, I, did, I didn't fancy going to the game for a while. I'll be honest, you know, I didn't really want to go to it, you know, in case, in case I run into them again, you yeah. know, these, these features. And I'm, I'm not normally one of these people that just, I will, you know, bring people up on it, you know, if they're going to, if they're going to say something like that, you know, there's no, I'm, I'm going to defend myself. I'm going to let them know that that's, you know, that's not on basically, you know, especially, and it's not, it's not probably another thing to say, but you know, certain fans, you know, certain fan bases, you can maybe, you may be expected from, from even you seeing the chance that they have, but I wouldn't expect it from ours. And from them as well, it was another shout out, oh, you fucking date refer or whatever, you know? So, yeah, that was shocking. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a few things I want to sort of pick up from that, but, I mean, the, the nature of a thing's interesting in that. It almost feels from talking to, to you that you sort of almost have to prove yourself more because you kind of look different to, than, than I would, and we grew up with similar ages. We grew up in similar areas from Liverpool, but no one had sort yeah. of think to question why I was at a game, whereas for you, because you're... You, you know, you, you, yeah. your parents are from a different country than me. It always feels like people are wanting to, oh, you know, how did you get, why are you here type thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, because obviously with how difficult it is getting, especially to away away trips, you know, like there'll be there'll be a couple of lads and, you know, their mates won't be able to go. And then they suddenly see me. Who, I'll be on my own a lot of the time, you know. I don't I'm, I don't go and find my mates. I'm, I might be sat I'm there on my own and, you know, I might not be as vocal or anything like that. And, you forget, like, I forget that I look differently, you know, that, that I'm not, you know, I'm Chinese sometimes, you know, I just feel scouts, I feel I'm red, you know what I mean? But I think that is definitely, because I'm not, I'm, I'm not in a group of, like, my Chinese mates or whatever, and it's, yes, it is having, almost having to prove yourself, and then when they see that I'm singing, or they see that I've got a scouse accent, you know, I find it really interesting. I think that John Barnes talks really well about racism and he talks about unconscious bias, doesn't he? He talks yeah. about it's not necessarily football, it's, it's, it's society in, yeah. in terms of society to change. So I think that's really interesting and it's just like what makes, you know, one set of people or group of people more worthy than another to be, a, to be at a football match almost, you know, whether how they look, where they're from, you know, that, those kind of things I, I do find interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting hearing you kind of get to talk about you, the, the experience there and the fact that, you know, it, it made you sort of want to stay away a bit, which is kind of really sad. But I wonder how much, 
when when that incident happened, how much of it did you associate with football? I mean, how how much did you think? Well, that could have happened anywhere, and it just so happened to ha- happen in a football ground. Or did you think no, there's something about kind of the, the football atmosphere and the football environment that made that more likely to happen? Uh, I think I think that could have happened anywhere. You know, I think with those guys in particular, they weren't scouts. You know what I mean? I don't think it was a case of, you know, they probably would have, you know, if they saw me in the street or whatever, they'd probably make the same, you know, the, the same kind of insult, basically, you know? But I think in that environment, you know, when it's so intense, isn't it? You know, you know, you know from being there that you're on edge, you know, you're mad at your football team, you're mad at the people around you saying stupid things that you don't agree with. It's mad football, isn't it? It gets people riled up. People do stupid things, don't they, at a football match? You know, you only have to look at the news every day, you know, about what, what, what one fan's singing or what one fan's done or the trolling that they're doing on the, you know, on yeah. social media. It does bring out the worst. It, it brings out the worst in some people, but obviously the best in others. I want to talk a little bit about European ways as well because you, you mentioned before that you, that you go on a lot now and I think, you know, the, the Anfield crowd has a certain kind of look to it, but I think that's even more so if you like when, when, when Liverpool go away and it is fun, kind of, you know, a lot of people who, who kind of look very similar really. It's, it's, it's white fellas who yeah. are aged kind of 30 to 50. And so I don't know whether you feel like maybe you kind of stand out even more there and whether you feel like, you know, I remember speaking to you once when we met up, I think it was after Porto a couple of years ago and I said, oh, come into this bar, yeah. you know, we're meeting all these boys and then you kind of admitted to me later that night or the next day that you were a bit like, well, I don't know what these guys are going to be like. And, and that's kind of something that I never have to think about, really, uh, where it is, where yeah. you, you kind of do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I haven't got that set, you know, that kind of group of, you know, I don't, don't go on the bus or anything, you know, for games or, you know, I don't do regular meetups or, you know, it's just a lot of friends that I've picked up from going to the odd games and from uni and from school so I think being being out there yeah I, you know you, I'm not not on your tiptoes as much but it's just like you want to you want to be part of it don't you but you, you you're not knowing what what to expect in terms of it's very tribal isn't it you know people yeah. you know even when you're going on these away trips you've got you've got your own set set of lads you know you've got your own gang and when I've gone, you know, it's, it's, it's normally been me and maybe one or two other lads that I know that are close and it's then wanting to be part of other groups. And I think once you're actually, I feel like once you're actually part of it, you, you know, you're not treated any differently. But I think it is an unconscious thing probably that I, I know from having my own friends and things. You do like your own thing, don't you? You like yeah. your own, you like having your own thing with your mates. And, you know, it's like us, you know, making it, it's wanting to feel special. But no, I think... I think my own attitude towards it has, has changed from before of being like just kind of keeping, you know, keeping my distance, not wanting, to, you know, just not really being as vocal as much to just getting involved, just just showing people that, you know, that you can sing the same songs, that you have got the same love of a football club, of the same players. And I think over time, it, it, it is something that I've, I've kind of accepted almost. That it's not it's 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 not something that people it's the majority it's it's the majority that are welcoming it's the majority where we are all as one you know and it's 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 very I, I feel like it's very much the minority that that it's, it's a thing and I don't know whether it's a generational thing either like 
with the younger with the younger lads, you know, I don't I don't I've not really had any any issues with yeah. younger lads. It always seems to be kind of the the older the older ones. So you, you mentioned that the majority, the, the, the people who are welcoming, obviously it can often be kind of a silent majority, and you, you kind of experienced that at Stamford Bridge, unfortunately, where maybe a couple of other people could have, yeah. could have like spoken out. Is, is that the key for those of, for those of us who, who want Liverpool Football Club to be welcoming to anyone, for those of us who yeah. kind of, you know, believe that, 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 that the, the football club, you know, is, 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 a, is an amazing experience to kind of follow and it should be welcome to anyone, certainly in this city, but also beyond. Is, is, is your advice to kind of just look out for these incidents, just kind of stick, stick up for people who were, who were kind of put in situations and, and just kind of just be something to be a little bit more conscious of? I think so, yeah. And just being able to call out small-minded, bigoted, xenophobic views, you know, especially in a, in a football crowd, you know what I mean? And there's times, like, in, in that particular instance at Stamford Bridge, people people were embarrassed, you know? People were embarrassed that people were making, you know, racist insults. But they weren't really... They didn't know what to do, yeah. you know? But then, like, the guys around me, you know, calling it out, and, you know, most most people will call... From, from, my, from just my every my, my own experience at that, at that, in that situation, that, you know, I had people around me that were supportive... And I think it is something that we can all do as, as fans to make every, you know, it, it doesn't matter how you look, what colour, what, you know, ethnicity. We're all reds, you know, and we all, we all love our football club. And I think it doesn't need to be said, but it's got no place in football, has it, you know? Yeah. So just last question before you go, Matt. Next time you, you bother coming back up to Liverpool to see us and you're, um, <laughs> and you're in your dad's restaurant, say, and a group of kind of young Chinese lads come up to you and, and they say, you know, yeah. we, we loved, we loved, um, you know, watching, watching, you know, on the telly in Madrid. We love seeing all the pictures. We, we want to get involved. Yeah. You know, we might, might have a couple of tickets for the Super Cup. We could go over to Istanbul. You know, do you think we should go? Would you, would you recommend they go? Would you, would you encourage them to get involved? Would you give any advice or would you just say, go for it, have a good time? Absolutely. Yeah. Like you say, you know, just go for it, you know, just show just show that you, you want to be part of it, learn the songs, get involved, you know, it's such a great experience. You know, there's nothing like it going on these trips, being with your mates, you know, being with your fellow Reds. And yeah, I've, my, my advice would be to, to just enjoy it and just embrace it, you know, embrace, embrace the, the joy of supporting such a great, a great club, you know, such a great football team. There won't be many Liverpool fans who went to more games last season or indeed the last few seasons than my next guest, AP. AP is from a large group of largely Sikh Reds who travel up and down the country for each game. And it's fair to say that they embrace everything going the match has to offer. But does being loud and visibly different ever get the wrong sort of attention? AP kindly came into the studio to have a chat. AP deal, as I go by. Um... Love a bit of Jaeger. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got a bad reputation on match days. So I've been following the Reds now for probably about 16 years on as a match goer. As always, uh, I'm at, um, a Liverpool fan since a uh, little kid. Wasn't really into football, funny enough, um, when, when I was little. The thing that changed me was uh, Mr. Robbie Fowler. Okay. Ian Rush, growing up as a, a 85 baby. So seeing Rushy, Barnes, Fowler, McManaman, and the first time going to Anfield, uh, probably when I was about 16, 17, and just taking it all in. And ever since then, just, yeah, just going as often as I can as a, 
as a family man or whenever the missus lets me. <laughs> I mean, you say as often as he can. It should be said that, you know, we've had Mo in, who's, who's, who obviously lives in Liverpool now, and, and, and Matt on the phone, who's, who's originally from Liverpool. I think you go more than, than them combined. You know, everywhere I seem to, every time I seem to go, you, you and your mates are kind of there. You know, you must clock up some games. Do you know how many you did last season? Um, probably 35, I think, um, around that mark. Either um, just a bit over. Um, I reckon it's a couple. Down. I reckon it's a couple well, more that's, than that. Well, that's, well, that's with two kids now. So. <laughs> so the missus is like trying to get me to cut down. So we just had a newborn, and yeah. it's just um, yeah, it gets a bit more difficult. But trying to uh, get the elder girl onto the scene now. So she did two aways last year. So I'm planning to take her to a lot more if. And then hopefully keep my numbers high for this season as well. It's <laughs> <laughs> right. So how would you sort of describe your ethnicity if you, if you don't mind? Yeah. Um, so I'm a Sikh, um, born in in London. Uh, my parents originally from India, so okay. they came to the country about in the seventies. But um, British Sikh, really. Yeah. So so you're sort of British born, kind of first first generation, if you like. Is that right? Yeah. 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 So in terms of, I mean, if. if you know, your parents, were they into football at all? Or was that something that you kind of got into just from pretending to be Robbie Fowler in the playground? <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing enough, um, my dad, he, um, he, he really liked football, um, but he, he didn't support a team. So he, he was just new to all, he would just watch everything. But he, we had a family business. So he, he was like more, always in the shop. Um, and then in the evenings, he'll have his whiskey, watch a game and then go to sleep. And then you'll see me getting passionate about Liverpool. And I think there's one game that sticks in my head is the, the derby um, at, at Everton when Gary Max scores that last minute goal. Yeah, yeah. I've gone fucking nuts. <laughs> and, and I've got family sitting there and I've just got a whack on the head from my dad. And he's like, and I think that's when he, he's like, oh shit, he's really getting into it. But he's always trying to tell me to calm down a bit and not, and not get involved too much. But they passed away when um, I was 19. Oh, right. and, and if anything, that's been a key driver for me wanting to go even more. Uh, I know that sounds a bit bad, total opposite to what my dad wanted, but um, it kind of helps you like get through um, yeah, your own things. And everyone goes football for their for their own reasons. The love of the Reds, of of course, is up there. But one of the main reasons for me, it just makes you forget about your day to day goings or like the people that aren't here no more. Yeah. So that was a big a big thing for me. Um, but my old dear, she was like. She, she couldn't care less about football. Me and her used to argue over the remote controller because I wanted to watch football and she wanted to watch her dramas and stuff. So like we was always uh, having arguments over that. But yeah, the old man was into it a little bit. So when did you first come up to Liverpool? What was your first sort of Anfield um, culture? Marseille. Uh, it was Marseille at home. So I'm thinking that's um, either 2003, 2004, um, under Julier. Uh, we were in Centenary Stand. I, I remember the game being um, one all. I've got Drogba scoring for them and Barros scoring for us. Yeah, so, so it was the first 3 4 that season, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think they knocked us out that year. So, yeah. yeah, that was the first time come up. So, 2004 season, I, I did quite a few. Well, the first time in the COP was Olympiacos. Oh, was, wow. So, I'll never forget that. And th that, that that's something that will always stick with you forever. And I didn't really drink that much those days. So, you remember the game clearly <laughs> and you're just like, fuck, you know, how have I got all these cuts on the back of my leg? <laughs> In those first times, times when you first come up, did you feel kind of different from everyone else? Did you look around and felt you looked different? Was I mean, it, I guess you, you know you, you're from sort of the south as well, so I don't know if, if you felt that that was more pronounced. I'm interested in how you felt you kind of fitted in in those in those kind of early when it was something you were even conscious of at all. I guess as um 
I was literally a kid, so it was just teens, a yeah. teenager when I um I did feel at first like with some people like you, you do sometimes get a second look. There was a, a comment here or there, some not so nice, but and this is going what um, back over fifteen years ago. Yeah, it's complete opposite to how you feel now. Okay, um, maybe it was me being just paranoid about that sort of thing. There were a couple of instances where you think. Yeah, that, it wasn't nice to be around and it wasn't something like you'd want like your little brother or someone to be around that sort yeah. of environment. Nothing ever happened really, it's just all words and, and most of the time it is, it, it is all that. But it's completely different to like how now, like I've come with my family, come with my daughter, come with my lad yeah. and they're just getting on with everyone. My missus loves it, she's talking to everyone, how <laughs> friendly the people are yeah. and she's only been here a couple of times so it, it's... Uh, I don't know, maybe it was a times change, um, people change. Maybe it was me just being too paranoid about certain things. But it, at that time, it didn't feel nice. And like at first, I could imagine for some people that might put them off, have carried on going. Yeah. But for you, you kind of obviously got, kind of got through that. And now obviously people, people see you at a lot of games and stuff. You, You've got it. You've got a gang you come up with who were, who are hard to miss. I think it's <laughs> fair to say in terms of kind of you know the your support and, and and kind of you know as you say you're everywhere and you and you and you enjoy every every aspect that are kind of about the game really. I'm just wondering kind of if you know if if you guys have, have had much in terms of what you know kind of strange looks or, or where do you kind of get tickets from and stuff like that because I know from speaking to to kind of other people sometimes. There can be that suspicion of, uh, well, you're not, you're not from here. Where are you getting your tickets from and stuff like that? Have you had much of that? Um, yeah, oh, it, you get a little dig here or there, like Barcelona away. There's about 10 of us together. One lad is just looking at us a bit strange and we've just gone up to him and said, is there something you want to say, mate? Like, just I'm not trying to be too confrontational about it. Just, yeah. is, is there a problem or like, and he just said, where have you got your tickets from? And we're like, We've been everywhere. <laughs> We've been to every game, like uh, every away game. Like, yeah. What what can you what can, what else can you say? Even in Madrid final, like we're going in, and someone said um, to one of the lads, "Where have, where have you got your ticket from?" And he's like, "I've been to every away game in the Champions League this season." Yeah. What, what more can you do? Yeah. Um, but one thing that I, I can speak for the lads on this, like no matter what happens, the, the love for the club and it's part of our lives will never stop. You know, like. We've all put in the Champions League dates already. We've, <laughs> we've booked um, Istanbul for the final. Yeah. We've booked um, Poland for Europa final, just, in, just case. in case. You never know. You never know. <laughs> Obviously, you don't want to be there, but, yeah. but nothing's that, regardless of whatever happens, like we'll always carry on. So if anything does happen or any other digs or whatever, it, it, we just brush it off, really. No, it's good. I mean, it's good that you've got that kind of positive you know, mindset to it. I mean, do you think the sort of the little things you've had is, is kind of more reflective of society or do you think it's kind of more pronounced in football? Because as you say, we've got these issues of, of ticket prices and, and then that kind of leads into to, to paranoia, and you would call it from certain people. But do you think it's do you think it's a bigger problem in football is what I'm saying, you know, or do you think it's just it's a society thing and, and football's where, where we're seeing it? I, I think it's more um, a society thing, you know, like uh, I think it's just people are... Um, Anyone will say anything at the football, just trying to get them one over on them. And when it comes to the racist, like racism side or the race thing, then you're thinking 
do these guys really have, are they really that bothered? Like they're the same guys that I'm walking down the street on, but they've probably got it pushed in the back of their head, but they're not going to say nothing to you on while you're walking down the street. Yeah. They're more likely to say something at the football because they're trying to like opposition fans want to like be swearing at you and then uh, say, is it just an excuse just to say something to you really, isn't mm. it? In, on a day-to-day basis, don't remember the last time I heard someone say something racist to my face. Yeah. Probably when I was a little kid, maybe when first started going to game, that was it. I mean, I mean, you obviously enjoy you enjoy coming the game. You you enjoy coming to Liverpool, kind of this weekend. I know you guys, you know, you've just been up to see the food banks and stuff like that today. And and I think for what you know, for fans kind of all around the country and also the world, uh, one of my favourite things about our kind of you know global support, if you like, or, or, or kind of national in your sense, is that you know, connection to the city as much as the, as the football club. And, and you know, as, as I say, the, we're going to go for a beer after this, but yeah. earlier today, you've, you've been kind of, you know, to, to see the food banks and done a donation from, from from your kind of supporters coming down there and, and stuff like that kind of, I think, sets us apart, really. No, I totally agree. Totally agree. I think the club and the city have done so much for me personally. Like, as I said, like the one of the main reasons why I go is because of um, past grievances yeah. and it helps me forget about that and move on with my life. And this club and this city got me through my hardest hour, you know, like being able to go to the football, to forget my problems at home and and get through day-to-day life, you know, like thinking about what my next game is, who am I going to meet? And now like we've got a big crowd of us that go and that go everywhere. We go on um, Euro ways together. So yeah. you're going on the lads trip as well. And it, you, you just—it's it's our own little religion. Yeah. Like coming up to to Liverpool, just meeting friends, meeting fam, like, um, taking the family up here, yeah. getting the family integrated with that. Like we just been sitting in John Lewis with one of my other match-going friends, and he's brought his missus along, and it it, it means so much to us. You know, it's part of our lives, um, and a big thing for us going to the game. We want to be able to give something back. So whether it's with the food banks so we'll regularly um every whoever's at the game at, um going to the home games whoever is there they will go and make sure that they do a food bank on um drop off on all our behalfs yeah um and even for easter um there was a, a seek toy appeal that worked with that, yeah. um 20 um jamie carragher's foundation um and they said that they wanted to get a thousand easter eggs for kids in liverpool and we ended up just the group of our lads just ended up giving five hundred uh, pounds worth of Easter eggs, That's amazing. Um, and any other extra money we gave towards food bank. So yeah. it's it's just our way of saying thank you to the club, you know. Like and and today just made sure took my little girl with me, so she understands that it you've got to give something back, mm. regardless whether it's in Liverpool, because like, we did this when we went to Newcastle away as well. Yeah. And you're right, you don't you, you don't see people from other regions going towards their wherever their football club is going and doing a big show of support like that and that's what makes the club the people the city so unique and that's what why so many people fall in love with it like I think at first people are hooked by the football club but then when you start going down you get into a can of worms and now you're getting deeper and deeper and deeper and you just fall in love with the place and yeah it's it's, it's always going to be a part of our lives even if in the off season we're gonna, like you make sure that you're still coming and yeah, just meet up for a bevy with the lads, really. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned kind of much earlier in the chat that in the early 2000s, you might have been a bit unsure about bringing like a little brother or whatever. I mean, has that changed now? Would you would you feel comfortable kind of bringing anyone you knew from from kind of the sea community where you live and stuff up there, up to Liverpool? You just 
throw them on the bus yeah, and uh, yeah. tell them not to tell too many stories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this season we've taken um, a few of the youngsters with us. Um, so my daughter, she's three years old. She went to Fulham away. Amazing. She went to Cardiff away. So this season I'm planning to take a, a lot with us. Well, one, to keep the missus off my back, but two, just also like to get involved with... I wish I had someone taking me at that age, yeah. you know, like learning the Liverpool way that early. And she's like loving the songs and she wants to be part of all that. Taking my seven-year-old nephew to Watford away. I took my 19-year-old nephew to um, Wolves away. So like, it's a regular thing. And we took our friend's kid to um, Madrid. He was in the Champions League final. The lad was in tears. He's gone to school, like the Fonz. And he's just, everyone's just asking him loads of questions. Like, <laughs> how was the Champions League final? You were there. Yeah. And he's, he's just loving life. And yeah. you just think, you see how happy these guys are just going to a game, integrating with, with Reds. Like, just standing there talking to an, a random stranger next to them. And they're just talking about Liverpool Football Club at halftime. And you're just like, I wish someone took me at that age, you know? Like, yeah. And it's, yeah, nothing's, um, nothing's stopping us now. Like, we're, we're a lot more confident. I think it helps that, there's a big group of us. Like, yeah. it's, it's a mix. You've got mixed races of people hanging around together. We don't discriminate to each other. We, we all see each other as one. Um, we all like to have a drink. And even the lads that don't drink, like, we've got a couple of lads that hang around with us. So it's not even just based on that. Um, everyone just looks out for each other. And so it doesn't matter who you are. If, if we get on with you, we get on with you. And, and then we all let's go to a game together, really. I guess, like, we all start somewhere, you know. Yeah. Like, when I first started going to a game, I wouldn't have known all the songs that you know now. Like, it, it's, it's an education, it really, isn't it? You've you got to learn the Liverpool way. And you, you can't just, like, turn up to a way end with... Uh, Man United away with the Man United, uh, Man United shopping bags, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, there's certain things that you, you just don't do. And it's like, you've just got to learn the Liverpool way, really. It's, it, is a, it is an education. And, and the only way you're going to learn is by, is by going to the game, by going to Anfield more often, going to away games, singing along. Don't just be standing there on your phone to be recording. You, you want to be involved, you know, like you, you want to be on your toes. You want to encourage the team as much as you can. You've got 90 minutes to make a difference. So why not be part of that difference instead of standing on the back or, you know, like regardless of what colour you are, you yeah. know, like when people see that, people see that you get the club. Yeah. And that's all that matters. That's all that matters. For that 90 minutes, all you should care about is just trying to push that team across the line and, and try and make a difference. Yeah. Maybe I should go for a beer. Yeah. Good shout. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. Sports Social Podcast Network.